guys, and welcome to our podcast in Mindsight, where we talk about the latest thought-provoking ideas and concepts which we stumbled upon on our self-improvement journey. As always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Elias. I'm Yasin, and let's dive right into this week's topic, which is, again, just some random stuff we're going to figure out along the way. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> Planning. <laughs> off. How are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, personally, emotionally, probably not that well, because we already talked about a bit about that uh, before the podcast. Um, you could say I'm single again, um, <laughs> to put it that way. Um, nevertheless, other than that, actually, um, or like, let's let's put it that way, before yesterday evening, um, quite well. Nice weather, meeting lots of people, having actually quite a good social life at the moment, or like this week, That's because um, four out of seven days of the week were free so far. Uh, okay. No uni, public holiday, and then shit, and that was cool. Um, by the way, uh, want to join uh, two 180 colleagues and me later at the uh, ice bar? Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Uh wait, at the ice bar, where is that ex exactly? Oh, that's <laughs> where the surfers are, like in Munich. Yeah. Ah right, that spot. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Actually Munich is quite cool. Like we have a river flowing through flowing through the town and they build it so that there there are surfing spots. Like where there are like waves and people can jump in with their surfboards. That's quite cool. Yeah. Very nice city. Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard of that. Man, it would be really cool. I'm going to have to think about it for a sec because I have an exam next week plus two presentations next week. <laughs> okay. And I getting mean, there will take me like over 40 minutes. So you have a bicycle. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't. But it's at least the southern tip of the English Garden. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on the map oh, okay. on Google Maps right now takes me over 40 minutes that's why i'm gonna see yeah, i'm gonna tell yeah. you at the end of the yeah we will see we'll see now we're boring everyone with the podcast yeah not going on <laughs> <laughs> all right okay so i'm um, socially doing quite well apart from the 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 single uh, aspect now um other than that physically in the sense of my physics studies <laughs> Uh, okay. Oh, I was yeah. thinking you're you're gonna say something like, "Now I'm uh, I'm on my way to become the Rock." Yeah, yeah. Physically, I'm, I'm becoming ripped now. Like muscle. yesterday, I started out training until 4 a.m. Um, <laughs> to deal with all the emotional distress. And <laughs> oh God! No, I but mean, to I, be I honest, kind of to kind that. of take my time to think about the whole situation. I actually stayed up until 2 a.m. and just cleaned my apartment because that was overdue anyways. And while doing yeah. so, you could just think about stuff. You could not distract yourself with being on the phone or uh, watch YouTube videos and so. Um, so that was kind of meditative. So, yeah. <laughs> For nice. sure. Actually, a uh, joke that comes to mind regarding okay. that. No, um, uh, <laughs> roasting or whatever you plan to. No, 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 not 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 concerning the relationship whatsoever. I'm uh, I, I'm yeah. not doing that. Uh, just concerning <laughs> cleaning your room as a uh, university student. 
Yeah. I've heard one professor once say that uh, PhD students have the cleanest rooms because they always procrastinate, procrastinate. by cleaning up. Yeah. 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 And that's that's me during exam phase. I always try to really? find something to clean up or to, oh, I really feel like cooking. I should cook, you know, and stuff like that when I don't mm. have the time. I don't no, do I, that. I mean, I'm able to suppress that and be like, no, no, no I have work to do. I, I'm not going to clean because you know, I don't really have anything to clean. Um, but yeah, my brain <laughs> is constantly in... Uh, I I should do you know my laundry. I should clean. I should whatever. I should reorganize this. I should reorganize that. Um, so yeah, I can I can relate to that. Uh, no, no, I cannot. I can totally not relate to that. <laughs> when I have work to do, and when I'm thinking, oh shit, I I, I have work to do, um, then uh, then the, the the general theme is who cares about the dishes? Who cares about laundry? <laughs> Let's just leave it on the rack for another week or so, and then take it off when I have time. Well, yeah, once I start working, it's the same for me. But before starting, my brain is like, you know, we could clean something up. Uh, we could uh, perfect the environment so it's <laughs> designed for maximum productivity or whatever. I think, I think 80-20 rule or whatever does not resonate with you there. You're just like, no, perfect no, environment is necessary. No, it, it's not. I mean, again, that's just what my brain likes to do, but I don't uh, act on it happily enough because i wouldn't get stuff done otherwise well yeah the most i do is like when i have a break or so just to get on different forces so then i can do the laundry <laughs> yeah. but well interesting to see that yeah phd student yeah well we'll see once i'm a phd student <laughs> whether i even want to become a phd student anymore because oh transition shit. right now right um on monday i had another experiment to do which was actually quite, like, the topic itself was quite a nice one mm. for experimental physics. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. How how much do you think we should go into detail about this? Well, I mean, you can just, just start and I'm going to stop you if okay, I'm bored. Okay, okay. <laughs> because there was, there was a lot, a lot of suffering attached to that experiment. And I just want to get into the experience and share it a bit. I don't know whether we can learn anything from it. But. <laughs> so, basically, do you know what a positron is? I think so. I think I have a vague idea of mm. what it could be. Okay, so there's something called antimatter in our universe. Uh, I'm sure from movies and stuff, many people have heard from it already. Um, what it basically is or what a positron basically is, it's the antimatter equivalent of an electron. And an electron is like okay. this little particle attached to the atom, negatively charged and stuff. And the positron um, it just has all the same properties like the electron, but it's positively charged. And yeah. now the interesting thing that happens when both get together, they destroy themselves. And um, light gets emitted. Okay. So, like, that's what happens in the movies usually. Okay, oh no, antimatter is hitting on matter and big explosion. Right. That, that, that's basically how you could describe that. Um, and now, what you can do is figure out whether a crystal, uh, or like the goal of the experiment is like figuring out whether a crystal um, has lots of or is, is very, very pure um, and 
uh, how, how do you say it in English actually? Like whether that yeah, crystal has many defects and stuff or not. Like whether it's a perfect crystal lattice or whether there are many defects, whether there are atoms from it missing. Um, because you might want very, very uh, good crystals, for example, um, for building computer chips and stuff. And you want to, you want to know how, how good they are. And what you can now basically do is take lots of positrons and shoot them at a crystal like that. And what will happen eventually in that crystal is, okay, the positron meets an electron and they, uh, you call that annihilate, they, they destroy each other. Um, and you can measure the lifetime of that positron in that crystal. So like basically how long does it take from the positron getting emitted um, to it being destroyed in the crystal? Because when it destroys, light gets emitted, you can detect that light and you can measure the time difference in there. So now what happens um, if the crystal has many, many defects, for example, there could be uh, an atom missing, basically a positive charge in that whole crystal lattice is missing. Um, that spot is kind of, yeah, serving as a huge, or, or like, that positive charge that is missing, it wants to be replaced. We can put it that way. So that positron, which is positively charged, goes into that defect. And because this is a spot uh, designed for a positive charge, so to speak, um, not many electrons are hanging around in there. They, they are like less likely to be in there. Yeah. So what will um, effectively happen is that the positrons um, if they get into a defect like that, um, they will live longer. And you can measure that, how much uh, longer they will live and how many of them will live longer. So if the ratio of positrons that are living longer is is quite big, um, or, or there are many positrons that are living longer in comparison to the ones that are just meeting an electron early, then you can say, okay, that crystal is not uh, perfect because there are many spots where they can like go in there that's how you can more or less quantify how, how how good a crystal is and that was what the experiment is theoretically like about or in theory was was that okay. clear or not yeah i think it was very well explained you should become a professor <laughs> yeah <laughs> fine man technique at its best for yeah. sure I'm by the way did we talk about fine man technique already yes. What do you mean in the podcast for sure yeah. multiple times yeah yeah but it, it feels like it was long ago we can bring it up again trying sure. basically basically it's like trying to explain things as simple as possible but not making them wrong yeah like for example talking trying to explain it to somebody who has no idea about the topic but in a way that they will still understand the the gist of it i guess yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, many people say like the Feynman technique basically means just explaining complex things or taking complex concepts and trying to explain them to a five-year-old or whatever. And yeah. the idea is to just use simple words, uh, use your own words, use metaphors, use whatever you need to do, drawings um, in order to make it understandable. And by doing that, you can quickly figure out where your where you have... Uh, how's it called where you have holes in your knowledge 
and where you have to like revisit the topic and relearn it or whatever. But yeah, that's so basically that's what I was trying to do. And it's also helpful for yourself because you think about stuff again and how you can put it and how you can explain it and whether you have any still uh, gaps in your knowledge about it because you cannot break it down into simple words. Um, yeah. So yeah. how well you are able to break it down into simple thoughts and words is probably kind of a measure of how well you understand it also, the topic. For sure. Yeah. But back to the experiment now. Um, it all always sounds so um yeah shiny and easy and um yeah just easy to conduct and do and in theory like i explained it it's a whole different ordeal if you have to set up the experiment yourself and connect everything together and set up the detectors and blah blah blah, blah, blah. and it was such a pain basically <laughs> to summarize it in one sentence setting up the whole thing took eight hours Doing the experiment itself just took hitting the start button on, on the computer screen. <laughs> oh, man. But what's yeah. like, what's, what was so effortful about the setup of the experiment? Mm -hmm. So, now, if I did it again now, it probably only would take me uh, an hour or so. Because I know now what I have to do and stuff. And... If you have never done it before, it's it's very unclear to you and it takes a lot of thinking and probing around and trying to figure out concepts. Um, what was very annoying about the whole thing is whenever, or like, the problem is you have to measure things at a time scale that is very, very, very small, like 10 to the negative... Uh, 10 seconds where those uh, events take place. Um, for comparison, um, I think, wait, what would be a good comparison, I think, which works out almost, is one second um, of our time corresponds to like, or like, the, the ratio of the lifetime of the universe to one second of our time is the same as one second of our time to the time scales of the experiment. Right. So it's very small. And and you you have to work with something you 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 cannot like see, like you cannot experience on your own. Because it it's it's so fast that yeah. It it basically all, all uh, everything has to happen in your head and you have to figure out everything uh, with that mental image you have um, and translate that mental image into um, adjusting a screw or so in the setup. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, figuring that out, like that transfer is, is quite challenging. Like, okay, what happens now if I want to delay the signal or so by, I don't know, um, uh, 15 nanoseconds or so and then <laughs> yeah no second gosh. part of why it was annoying is or like like let's expand on the first part first so you were you basically go um, to your little helper is uh, your little helping hand basically is an oscilloscope which can visualize more or less 
um, those small time scales and events that are happening on that. So that that's your little lifesaver and helper. But what you have to do now um, is you have to set up each component one by one and in each step you have to check out whether everything is still all right and whether you get a signal through and whether everything's working out with that oscilloscope and it's a pain in the ass because every time we have plugged in something new nothing worked out anymore and we had to find the the bugs so to speak i, I guess it's very similar to programming when you you I just wanted to include say, another yeah module and nothing wants to work anymore and you only yes. get 5,000 errors and you don't yeah. even know what you're doing anymore at some point um, and it's very hard to keep the overview there and that's how you can describe the, that experiment exactly yeah <laughs> I can relate to that connected to and then and then you're done and as you said and you realize that you just spent eight hours on something that you could have wait wait wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not done yet um, now <laughs> you realize your your brain is complete completely fried through um if if you do what i did which is um so there was basically a cable connector uh t piece so to speak and at the one end i took a cable and plugged it in like it's for uh, splitting up signals basically so i t i plugged in one cable um but then i took the other end of the same cable and plugged it in at the other end, <laughs> making me end up with a loop which does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> which is like <laughs> you're completely you're completely wasted by that point if you're doing stupid things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Not oh, working man. out anywhere. Yeah, yeah but, but yeah, I can relate to that pain. <laughs> mm. I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, and as I said, you realize that at some point you just basically you, like just to translate so it in your hours. language doing a for loop that multiplies every number in your array by one or so yeah that <laughs> seems uh seems uh, very accurate yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stuff like that, that. yeah so yeah i realized um i just w wasted eight hours of my life setting up an experiment where i just had to had to hit the start button and the day later hit the stop button um on the computer and then but um, what that also made me realize is how, let's put it that way. There's, there's a difference between theoretical physicists and experimental physicists, which usually is, okay, theoretical physicists think they're the best <laughs> and way better. Okay. <laughs> um, and after only studying and only learning concepts and blah, 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 for the f uh, past four semesters mm, and not actually doing something with your own hands or building something, you, you kind of get pushed in the direction of thinking that theoretical physics is the only cool thing you can do um, because there the formulas and equations are working out nicely and you, you don't need to approximate all the time like in that pesky experimental physics. <laughs> um, yeah. At once, you're working at actually what is still a pretty, pretty simple setup um, and have to invest that much of thought and energy into it, um, into a simple uh, setup like that. You get lots and lots of more respect for the actual big and serious experiments that are going on. And that were actually also in the experiment hall, uh, which we were in. 
uh, with a huge particle accelerator behind us and stuff. And then you're thinking like, man, I have respect for those guys. Like they must have invested several years of their time and so much thought energy into setting up an experiment. And I don't know how much bugs they had to fix about it, uh, how, how many bugs they had to fix about it. I mean, um, and I, I don't even know how they did get that to work out because there's so many parts and so many components involved and it's just a miracle that everything's working together and who was the fucking project organizer who was in charge of, of dealing with that and uh, allocating the tasks and, and figuring everything out. Huge respect for that, man, to keep the overview. I don't even want to start with the bureaucracy because, oh no, there's a radioactive part involved. Please fill out those 50 forms here and uh, vow uh, for never ever, I don't know, licking at the radioactive crystal. I don't know. <laughs> Damn it. want to do that. Do the rain dance outside for at least every second day. I don't know. Uh, that's, yeah. that's how it seems like. Um, so huge respect for those guys. Um, because even though there's this, there's appearance of theoretical physicists being, being better in that sense, um, it's, I, 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 how do you say, I bow my head in front of the experimental physicists. You just solved the, uh, decade long conflict between theoretical and experimental yeah physicists. exactly just take all the theoretical physicists give them uh, an oscilloscope and let's see what they're doing probably they strangulate themselves or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's cool man but the thing is now i'm even more undecided in which area i want to go theoretical right. physics or experimental physics because it in the end once everything worked out it was quite fun it was just a pain the, the first 90% of the thing. That, yeah. <laughs> that was not that enjoyable. But once you did it, then you feel like you learned a lot. And yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It's basically like everything else, learning a language, learning the piano or so. 90% is just pain. But once you master the song, it's quite nice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, but isn't there any... I mean, I have no idea when it comes to physics but isn't there any area where you can do both to some extent hmm. or is it really just separation between theoretical and experimental and there's like no overlap i mean i mean it you could put it that way um in like back in in the old days Theoretical physics and experimental physics was basically the same because you could have one person um, simply uh, thinking about, for example, Newton thinking about, oh no, there's an apple falling down. Um, <laughs> let's let's get into the theory behind this. Oh, I could put up a gravitational law or something like to simplify that. That, that was a huge step he made there. <laughs> uh, huge respect for him. Um, and then verify that actually uh, the same person setting up the experiment, going with it um for example yeah yeah um what did they do like set up the heavy sphere next to lighter spheres and measure how quickly it's turning and falling towards them so to speak um the same person could do that i'm not even sure whether newton did that but um but nowadays you have like experiments where thousands of scientists are working on them um 
only caring for the experiments. And then there are, um, I don't know, like, uh, depending on what theory you're working on. And then there are like a handful of theoretical physicists who, um, who are very deep into their matter, to put it that way, <laughs> um, trying to figure out or calculate through weird theory again um, and see, okay, yeah, if, if it was like, if the thing we're not understanding, if it was described by this and that concept, then in measurements, we should, we would need to see this and that result. Can you please set up the experiment now and verify that or not? Right. Idiots. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so there's, there is more or less a clear separation in between. I mean, I'm sure there are, and and maybe I'm uh, there are also other areas where that does not apply. But uh, for the areas I think I want to get into, um, as far as I know, and please write as a mail if I'm wrong or whatever, um, it's kind of separated out. Um, and I'm sure there are people that have to like carry the information from the theoretical realm over into the experiment and think about okay, how could I set this up now so that it works? So that would be like an in between person in that sense no okay and that because they need to understand the physics and the calculations that went into the the theoretical yeah, models and also translate them into um, how could we set up an experiment with that and how will we do that but i mean that doesn't appeal to you at all but i mean uh, being that middle person yeah. let's the say middle man the, the middle, middle man, man that's framing everyone okay um <laughs> yeah I don't know. It feels a bit like Jack of all trades. As a, as a good no, yeah, Jack of all trades, yeah. But um, it's like you in Germany being called a Romanian, and when you're in Romania, being called uh, German. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not it. sure. Like uh, it depends, obviously, under the position and blah 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 blah. And there's lots of variables attached to it. Um, in general, it's always nicer if you can put a precise label on you, right? But Sure. I don't um. want to be a variable. <laughs> Find X. Right. right. And you circle X on the answer sheet. Like on, on the question. Right. Find X, right, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And oh, that was I, our I, I rant. Think... And I don't know what we learned from it, but uh, it was... Yeah. <laughs> just putting my thoughts out there sharing a bit we, how physics can mean like yeah studying it we learn to never ever study physics <laughs> that there you have a really good point my man it's that's you could nah, say so it's yeah. great physics so. is great um what i wanted to say is yeah man i think time will tell i think over yeah, the next yeah, few yeah. semesters and sure, being abroad you're probably so. gonna gain a lot of new perspectives and opinions about things and i think at the end of it you'll you will be pretty clear about what you want to do mm. and i think after all you know you can always go back and try something differently i mean maybe you start with theoretical physics and then you realize you know what actually nah let's do experimental <laughs> that's more for me i think so you, what, you what, I, what I actually want something. to try to do is write my bachelor's thesis i think in a theoretical field theoretical physics field okay just to see how it compares to doing experiments 
because I did lots of experiments by now, um, but I've never like written a theoretical physics paper or something. And I don't care if I messed it up. It's just my bachelor's degree. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Um, I mean, the master's degree is more important. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah at least for physics physicists. But isn't there like nobody? There it's, like... it's just like your uh, high school final exam grades and stuff. No one cares about that now anymore. Well, I mean, yeah, but don't you need good grades in your bachelor's to get a master's? Uh, how, how's it called? To oh no, for physics it's like a... different. Like even with a four point no, you still get accepted for the master's. Like really? Yeah, oh, it's dude. difficult the, the subject. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean yeah, you but... will not get into Stanford or wherever you want to go, um, but but uh, I guess in all German universities you still get to get into the normal degrees. Like there are like elite degrees and blah blah blah. You will not get in there, but all the all the normal stuff is open to you. Yeah, because in uh, in psychology at least I know that getting a uh, how how's it called. Being able to do your master's, you need to have very, very, very good grades in your bachelor's for most masters. I think. Oh no! If I'm not mistaken, so it will be um, business business administration afterwards for you. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, uh, now, man, but MBA. that's why many people studying psychology really stress out about it and up, about grades because especially if you want to go into psychotherapy clinical psychology and all that kind of stuff you need really really good grades i think you might even need a one uh, 1.3 could that be i'm not sure but somewhere around there like you need really good grades to Hmm. get a uh, get a place in a clinical psychology master's degree at least in germany so many people Uh, really stress out and uh, put a lot of yeah but is this something you want clinical oh, no, psychology not really but i want i want the good grades anyways like i, I just yeah. want to be able after my bachelor's to yeah sure i mean i just want to be able to say i have all op- options av- available to me and my mm. grades don't hold me back from what i want to do in the future you know that's like my only th- that's the only important thing about grades for me it's mm-hmm. a means to an end i just want to be able to say i can do whatever the hell i want and the grade doesn't hold me back it's just like with the high school with the A levels, you know, become president of Germany <laughs> <laughs> for sure. No, I mean, but my whole spiel in high school also was I just want the good grades to because at that time I thought I, I wanted to do like medicine or something, and you need really good grades for that. Yeah. So I wanted to have a good enough grade to be able to get into medicine. That was all I cared about, you know. Mm. And now it's basically the same. I don't really care about the grade in itself, I just care about the option the options it can give me in the future. And I don't mm-hmm. want that to hold me back. But yeah, so much about that. No, I mean, it seems sensible. Um, at the same time, though, you're kind of missing the goal, a clear goal to work towards to right? Because you're mean? like, okay, I just want to be the best. <laughs> well, not the best, but I want to... I want to be able to look back and say that I have, how, how can I put that? I want to be 
the very, very best. best. Oh gosh, like no one ever wants. <laughs> to I mean, I just want them to look back and be like, dudes, <laughs> <laughs> to drain them is my cause. Pokemon, da 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 da. No, physics grades. Do <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be the best, at least not in psychology, because that's. I mean, it could. It could be possible, but the amount of effort you would have to put into studying is just ridiculous. Um, and I don't think... I mean, if psychology were like the only thing I wanted to do, then sure. But I mean, I have a lot of other side projects and working in startups and maybe at some point studying my own thing or whatever that I don't really have the time and energy to put like 170% into all my exams. But I still want to have very, very good grades and be like in the top 10 to 15% at least <laughs> we're going to see about that but um again just to be able to do everything i want to do maybe get a fancy scholarship or whatever that's like what's important to me not to just be the best or have a 1.0 for the sole sake of having that because you know it yeah. doesn't really get me anywhere makes sense makes sense yeah no yeah no you know yeah nice so now let's let's continue the story. Now that I've done the experiment, <laughs> <laughs> all right, the story goes on. Yeah, story goes on. The pain goes on. Now that I've done the experiment and have received the data, um, actually we were also doing that in a team. I, I hope it did not sound like I was doing everything alone. Um, now we have to analyze the data, and. Usually what happens is you have lots of data points and you try to find the law or like the formula, the, the equation they're working by. And you have to fit kind of an equation into the graph, whatever you're getting there, like into the data points. Um, problem is your computer is only so good at figuring out what exact form that equation takes let's 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 make a simple example um all your points when you plot them they look like they're they're on a line or like they're 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 like rising linearly to put it that way so they deform this line but it's not a perfect line because of the experiment they are scattered a bit some some are above that imaginary imaginary line that you can think about somewhere below and what you're trying to do now is find out which um, yeah which which line does best describe the system which line is closest um, to to the points like how are basically the question is um, for for which line do the points on average lie closest to the line? Um, that that's what you call fitting. It's like trying trying to figure out the the the. You have a specific equation, and you try to figure out the uh, parameters of that equation. Uh, for example, the slope of the line and its. Uh, and how high it lies up, you try to figure that out by doing a fit. 
And now the problem is, um, if that equation you're working with is very complicated uh, then, and has many variables uh, that need to be figured out, then yeah, have fun letting your computer do that and find a good solution <laughs> for the problem. And it's a pain to do that if your fit doesn't converge, to put it that way, for all the science people out there. <laughs> all right. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting That's in front of my laptop, the programming the whole time, trying to just, uh, and tits and hats and, and blah, 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 only for it to not work out for a few hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I That's imagine. the PP, programming pain. <laughs> it's a big PP. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. No, I, mean, I can I can really relate relate to that. Mm. I mean, as you said, programming, just general programming, coding is very similar to that. Um, that's basically ninety yeah. percent or ninety five percent of the time. Even when I talk to like senior software engineers or whatever, uh, they always say that probably like eighty percent of the time is just spent reading code, trying to understand it, trying to debug it, trying to you know actually understand what's happening, and maybe twenty percent of the time if if 20% of the time, probably more like 10% of the time. No, 10% of the time is actually coding in the sense of actually writing code that works. Um, And yeah, and then even when you write code that works, the rest of the time... Actually, code writing, I think that's not even 1% of the thing because if you just had a solution, you could just like type it. (laughs) What do you mean? Like in a sense of, okay, if you already knew the solution to the whole problem, if you already had the code lying in front of your mental eye, basically, you just need to type it out. And that's probably less than 1% of the time that goes into the problem. Coding itself. Mm, yeah. Mm, Are, sure do, you, do you also consider like the time of thinking and figuring out the code as coding without well, the bug fixing? Well, actually, the thinking part is the coding part okay, you put at least that's okay, what yeah. uh, one uh, senior soft- software engineer recently told me like when when he said i he, think he codes like eight hours per day it's more like thinking seven hours and trying to solve problems in his head or on paper and then translating that into code that's like the whole but process of coding i would not call that the coding i po- i think i'd call that modeling the problem yeah dude i know no oh, man <laughs> You're getting into accurate definitions now. No, it's just the coding. I think in the the actual job, coding is more considered like the whole process and not just the writing code. Because people think if you're a software engineer, you just sit there and type eight hours per day and like solve problems all the time. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's exactly like you just sit there and try to understand what the hell is going on. It's like your favorite hacker movie... um, just trying to skip the modeling of the problem and uh, figuring out the code part of it. Basically, they're just typing in uh, like they already has this, have the solution in front of them. Yeah. And in one minute, everything, which probably takes two days to figure out by thinking actually about it. But the yeah. bomb is exploding in 10 seconds, so... <laughs> <laughs> right. To be quick. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions that people think that, you know, if you're, you say you're a coder or whatever, you just sit there and basically write code 
why you drink coffee and why you talk to your mom and why in the you shady room exactly um dimmed lights you have the hoodie yeah. obviously maybe even wear a mask because yeah for sure I mean, like like a whole face mask because that's like what you're doing when you're all alone in coding <laughs> just yeah, for the vibe for sure. of it I, i hope you also did that already <clears throat> man <Of> actually <laughs> that's so that's it's always so funny like in germany there's this um big news um evening news platform thing or evening news channel it's called the target show um there for 15 minutes at prime time they always show or shortly before prime time they show over always what's going on in the world just like a normal news show and whenever they cover something about hacker attacks or uh, yeah. i don't know programming or computer stuff then you have the typical green numbers flowing over the screen with a weird hoodie guy sitting in front of it and stuff whereas it's probably just some north korean that gathered money for their, their state <laughs> yeah yeah and as i said it's just even even sometimes coding like the simplest things if you haven't used the concepts in a long time you just have to google every single thing and google the syntax yeah. and google just stupid stuff where you even feel like really dumb like mm. there's a uh, joke a uh, cultural joke almost in the front-end development community which it states that no matter how senior you are, no matter how experienced you are, you always have to look up how to center a div. And a div is basically a container for other HTML elements. And that's just a, like a running joke because it's true. It's like mm -hmm. really true. Nobody knows how to fucking center a div. You always have to Google that. <laughs> and it's like the simplest thing. It's one Only of the simplest concepts that there exists there. But uh, I mean, sure, you know. I mean, I could do that now. But if, if I don't do that for the next two months, I probably gonna have to look that up also or how exactly do i write it for you because i know the concept and i know kind of how to apply it and how it works but i have to google the exact syntax and how to implement it in my code and all of that stuff so yeah coding is more like googling thinking writing stuff out trying to understand what the fuck is going on and then maybe write a few lines of code <laughs> seems a bit like my physics homework yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much but i mean it's, it's, it's great because you learn a lot about how to tackle problems and about you know problem solving and just yeah, yeah. thinking logically and analytically and kind of following the logical structure of things i mean that's always a good skill to have but it can be really fucking annoying especially if it's especially if you get stuck on like such a dumb thing like just a missing semicolon somewhere it's also like has become yeah. a meme, but it's so true. It's Plugging so in the true. same cable basically into each other. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, just dumb stuff like that, but it just happens, you know, and you just have to deal with that, and it's, it's part of the journey or whatever, and over time you get better at that, and those little mm. things don't happen as frequently, hopefully. But yeah, it's just all about... I don't know coding i think it's more about understanding like those universal general coding concepts and structures and alg algorithms and whatnot and then you can basically apply it to every single thing you do and not mm -hmm. really what a lot of people think in the beginning is to and i don't know why i'm talking about coding now but what a lot of people think when they start learning how to code especially by themselves is they think they have to memorize like the exact syntax of everything and they do like Anki flashcards of the exact syntax. Yeah, if you're really at university, just... you probably need to learn it by heart sometimes. 
Yeah, I mean, sure, but I mean, <laughs> in but that's in not how it works. Application yeah. or in uh, if you want to build a project on your own, th that's not how you approach that. <laughs> that's absolutely not how you approach that. You need to understand the general concepts and the i the ideas behind that and why it works and when it's used, and then you can basically program in every language because it's most of just things are very similar. It's basically just as stupid as a physics prof not allowing a formula sheet in his exam. Yeah. Exam. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Because you need to know them by heart. Nobody knows them by heart in, in even one week after the exam uh, anymore. <laughs> they will yeah, all look them up if you need them. They just know so the the, knowing the concepts, though, that's the important thing. It's so dumb. I, I don't I don't understand why the academ academic system is so focused on memorizing stuff. Hmm. Because there's no real effort. Well, there is Second effort in that, but there's no real, yeah, but insane. there's no, <laughs> no, but there's no real learning in that. And there's no real accomplishment in just regurgitating facts. And most people, I mean, especially in something like psychology, I see we have many modules where the vast majority is just memorizing random facts. And even if you don't understand like the bigger picture and don't really understand what's going on and why you learned that, you can have pretty good, pretty good grades just by learning stuff by heart. Meh. You know? And I don't I really, I really don't enjoy that. And I, I don't think that should be, that should be the focus of, of school, of university, of all of that. Because it doesn't really teach you anything. And you can really mm -hmm. just um, cheat your way through it by just yeah. learning by heart, uh, taking everything as is, and you're going to be fine. You know, you're going to graduate with a pretty okay grade, maybe go on do your master's, do the exact same thing. And then afterwards, you don't really have problem-solving skills. You don't really have developed critical thinking. You don't really have anything apart from being able to memorize stuff, mm -hmm. you know? And that's just, I don't know, shouldn't be the focus. But whatever, random rant about coding and the academic system. Man, <laughs> what I wonder about, because yeah. obviously every programmer is a hacker by default. No, but... Yeah. Um, how much do you know about that stuff? About hacking? Yeah. I mean, you hacking certainly for... know like now how you might be able to manipulate one or the other website form now. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's for sure. That's just all front-end stuff. Um, but when it comes to hacking, I actually actually wanted to... Tell, uh, to oh, no, my English isn't working. To... You got hacked. Shit. To teach yeah. myself, no, that's it. <laughs> to teach myself, <laughs> to teach myself hacking before I taught myself front-end development, mm. um, and I don't honestly remember that much about it. But I think hacking is is more, and I'm I'm really just kind of intuitively saying that I'm not sure if that's true. But I think hacking is more kind of understanding how systems are interconnected and how they work and how they communicate. Whereas like something like front-end development or basically any other type of software engineering is more, as I said, understanding basic principles and applying them to problems. Again, and hacking is more understanding how servers communicate and what like all the endpoints are and how they communicate and how they work and where the, um, how is it called, where the holes in the system are that you can exploit and how you can exploit them and how you can do that in a way that people can track you and all of that. It's more about yeah, understanding like the, systems. 
I, I think, yeah, that makes sense. But what you described are like the experimental physicists of hacking, because they're also the like theoretical people on their way actually out in the fields trying to find new vulnerabilities and going through the basics again. And maybe there was some, uh, I don't know, for example, I don't know, Google or, or, or I don't know, Microsoft on their PCs, they have like a little loophole or something uh, that nobody can figure it out, um, where you have to plug in into, I don't know, whatever uh, requests they're making a specific line of code where you can, um, I don't know, make them, to put it easy, send there your password and, and you only figure it out because you dug deep in the code. That's like the, that's what I'd um, consider like the theoretical physicists of hacking, probably. And then there are like right. the experimental physicists of hacking, which use well-known vulnerabilities and um, things that are on the market uh, for long, maybe even some hackers build tools for it already. Um, they're applying the knowledge that's already there and either doing dirty yeah. or good stuff, whatever. Yeah, that's true. I think there were like two different names for like, ethical, I think it was ethical hacking and something, something hacking. Yeah, like those two camps of hackers. I think Anonymous, I'm not sure if they are considered ethical hackers. I don't think they are. <laughs> Wait, let me actually, let me actually look it up. Is anonymous ethical hacking? Okay, obviously that's uh, quite a uh, how's it called? Quite a controversial topic, yeah, yeah. and I don't think I'm gonna get a clear answer in the next two minutes. But yeah, anyways, there are like two these two camps, um, and I mean the ethical hackers can actually be employed by companies and just be like just go mm, yeah, through yeah. systems and figure out where our loopholes you don't even are need to be employed to by a company them. um you, there's well, actually also freelance. rewards from the big companies like google and so forth oh yeah telling them uh, uh exploits and stuff you found yeah yeah for sure um, on their on their systems and their website whatever uh, yeah. bounty bounties i think they're called whatever um which is quite smart of them to do because people are more prone to report stuff to them even doing it in an ethical way than to sell it on uh, dark web marketplaces or so for people who want to do shady things with that then i mean depends who offers more but <laughs> <laughs> i see sure. i see where you're coming from businessman yeah. as always for sure no but um yeah i mean there are those hackers and there are those that are just there to mm -hmm. exploit the systems for themselves like there are also those the company uh, they're also uh, at least it fit it feels like to me there are also those who first are doing very unethical stuff get caught by the fbi or the police and stuff um, <laughs> figure out oh shit prison is actually not that fun um yeah and then they turn effort to into ethical hackers more and use the <laughs> knowledge they watched. gathered over the uh, years <laughs> someone's watched too many movies <laughs> no no no, no. Yeah, there's yeah, actually like there's this cool um <clears throat> There's a school podcast. I can only recommend it. It's called in mind. No, um, <laughs> it's called uh, Darknet Diaries. I think you also you'd also enjoy it. Yeah, I yeah. I, I've Talking listened to that actually. Lots of times. people like that. Another. Uh, we, we, are, we were talking about. I think with that point we can end also the podcast. Then um, we were also talking about North Korea shortly beforehand, <laughs> or I was mentioning it. 
and of yeah. green hackers and stuff. Man, those people, uh, crazy shit they're doing. Um, do you know what Sims popping is? What Sims popping? S Sim swapping. Ah, uh, Sim swapping. Um, I guess it's something to do with sim cards but <laughs> that's what yeah, I guess okay, what they're basically doing is tr try to call up the um, uh, your the phone provider of another person trying to pretend you are that person and uh, get access to like their, their um, credentials there to to the mm. account like oh i forgot my password and, and whatever um try to get access to their sim card why is that uh, so important because yeah many people are uh, many things are connected to our phones and to our phone number specifically like your email account might have that as a two-step verification step and like yeah. that you can you can for example also um, maybe get into the crypto wallets of some rich people out there and <laughs> crazy stuff it's crazy in north korea they north korea is doing so much hacking and so much stealing and um and stuff and then figuring out vulnerabilities because obviously they cannot they they need like dollars or like the the real money because they are obviously isolated there on the little island yeah. peninsula um only maybe china is still working a bit together with them i think um but they need the dollars they need the money to to get the economy uh, going to build nuclear weapons you know and there's sure. nowhere to do that seriously because like or ethically because there are many sanctions on them understandably so stealing is the way to go and hacking and, and doing stuff like that i think the sounds like fun let's go there yeah and i think the biggest bank heist in that sense so far was also done by them which was online by stealing i don't know 600 million in crypto <laughs> currency what? yeah That's from like a cryptocurrency exchange place or something or it was uh i'm throwing uh, words um, into the room now like you can also sign up for a service that is holding your cryptocurrency stuff right Instead of you having your own crypto wallet. I think so. I guess yeah. I, have, I have no idea. And when you take the money out of the wallet, you you store it like temporarily in the bank account for, okay. from them, I think. What they think I think they did is just walk around and try to empty all of those accounts by being able to hack into the system there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like and fun. it's crazy because the amounts they are stealing, it's like, uh, yeah, several hundred millions of dollars. And that's actually like quite considerable amount of money that can keep their propaganda and their uh, anti-humanitarian stuff or whatever they're doing in their country going on because that's like big money. That's <laughs> <laughs> big money for sure. Mm. crazy stuff yeah good now on that positive note <laughs> yes let's, uh, let's end this week's what did episode. we learn this episode we were basically um, nerding on talking yeah, a bit about science and the pains of and, and stereotypes and science and physics and it just random stuff 
Yeah. I'm sure there's something of I value mean, in there. People don't always need to learn from our episodes, right? Yeah. They as or they can just make up can... their own uh, learnings from that. Yeah, but I think maybe they learn to never might be quite Maybe they learn to never, you know, nerd out about things because it's cringe and they find us cringe and maybe that's a learning they took yeah. away from that. So um anyways. But maybe actually it could be quite helpful like to to get a bit of an insight into how life as an IT student or a psychology student or whatever could look like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's something in there somewhere group. hidden away, locked away. Little anyways. Guys. Thank you so much for listening to the people out there. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe, leave a review, like, comment, all of the good stuff. And of course, subscribe. Um, and hope to see you guys next week. Bye-bye.